إلى حديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قالت حولا يا رسول الله فإن لم يذهب الدم that حولا she said oh messenger of Allah what if the blood does not go قال يكفيك الماء ولا يضرك أثره أخرجه الترمذي وسند ضعيف in this narration then the Prophet said that it is sufficient to put water on it and the uh, leftovers, what is left over from the sign of the blood does not affect you. All of that will come to it now. They are the ahadith in general. They are the ahadith in general. Now we come to it specifically. So now these ahadith, the Shaykh says, هذا الحديث وما بعده أيضا في موضوع البيان في موضوع البيان أنواع من النجاسات وهي كلها في موضوع المني. So these narrations now are similarly about the impurities and how to clean those impurities. So here what's being mentioned is with regards to the semen. And that is something which exits from an individual with force and desire. And sometimes it may exit from an individual without those characteristics, maybe due to some illness or other reasons, it may exit without desire. وَهُوَ نَوْعٌ مِنَ السَّوَائِلَ الَّتِ تَخْرُجُ مِنَ الْقُبَلِ وَمِنْهُ يُخْلَقُ الْإِنسَانِ And it is the liquid which exits from the frontal private parts and that is what the person is being created from, that is what humans are created from. This has been mentioned in some narrations about how the liquids they meet the liquids of the male and the female, and that is the basis of the construction or the formation of the humans. Uh, it's mentioned in the hadith, إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ يُجْمَعُ خَلْقُهُ فِي بَطْنِ أُمِّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا But indeed one of you, he is, or his creation is formed in his mother's womb for 40 days, مُطْرَقَةً As a small speck or a small dot. ثُمَّ يَكُونُ عَلَقَةً مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ Then it becomes like a cut of blood. ثُمَّ يَكُونُ مُضْغَةً مِثْلَ ذَلِكَ Then like a small piece of flesh. ثُمَّ يُبْعَثُ اللَّهُ يَبْعَثُ اللَّهُ مَلَكًا فَيُمْهَرُ بِأَرْبَعِ كَلِمَاتٍ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends an angel and he is commanded with four words. وَيُقَالُ لَهُ اُكْتُبْ عَمَلَهُ وَرِزْقَهُ وَأَجَلَهُ وَشَقِيُّنُ سَعِيدٍ and he is commanded with four things to write down the actions of that person and the sustenance of that person and the lifespan of that person and also whether he is from the people of fire or from the people of paradise. And then the soul is blown into that person also. So in this narration now, the first hadith, قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يغسل المريد Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu would wash the semen فالرسول sallallahu alayhi wa sallam So this liquid would exit from the Prophet sallallahu as it does from the remainder of the humans وَالرُسُلُ عَلَيْهِمَ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ كَغَيْرِهِمْ مِنَ الْبَشَرِ فِي هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ And the Prophets and the Messengers are like other normal human beings when it comes to these affairs كَانُوا يَتَزَوَّجُونَ They would get married وَكَانُوا يَجَامِعُونَ and they would have relations with their wives and they would have children and they would eat and drink 
قال تعالى ولقد ارسلنا رسلا من قبلك وجعلنا لهم ازواجا وذريه as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Ra'ad Al-Qa'i number 38 that indeed we have sent messengers before you and we made for them wives and children so the messengers and the prophets they are like normal human beings when it comes to that they get married, they have relations, they have children they eat, they drink, they are humans فَهُمْ بَشَرْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ فَضَّلَهُمْ عَلَى سَائِرِ الْبَشَرِ بِيَنْ اِخْتَارَهُمْ مِنْ حَمْلِ رِسَالَتِهِ وَتَبْلِيغِهَا لِلنَّاسِ However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them and gave them precedence over the others in giving them the revelation and choosing them to spread that revelation between the people. So similarly, the Prophet Muhammad was also human in that way and same was the same in regards to these affairs. So this liquid would exit from him also and if it fell upon his toe, then he would wash it. So when he would wash it off his thobe, Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned, Then he would go out to the prayer in that same thobe. If this semen, it fell onto his thobe, then he would wash the thobe, sallallahu and then he would go out in that very same thobe straight away, to the prayer. He would not change his thobe if that mani fell onto it, if that liquid fell onto it, that semen. لِأَنَّهُ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ لَيْسَ عِنْدَهُ غَيْرَةُ Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't have any other clothing anyway. فَقَدْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ يَلْبَسُ ثَوْبًا وَاحِدًا لِبَيْتِهِ وَلِصَلَاتِهِ So the Prophet ﷺ used to wear the same thawb for in his house and for when he used to go to the prayer. نَعَمْ كَانَ لَمَّا وَصَّعَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ يَتَّخِذُ حُلَّةً يَلْبَسُهَا لِلْوَفُودِ يَتَزَيِّنُ بِهَا لَكِنَّهُ كَانَ فِي صَارِ أَحْوَالِ عِيشُ عِيشَةً لِلْمَسَاكِينَ عَلَيْهِ صَلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ Generally speaking, that the Prophet ﷺ would live the life of a very humble and modest life. Not that you have much luxury, even though when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the affair somewhat easier, then the Prophet ﷺ had a type of cloth that he would wear on occasion. فَهَذَا الثَّوْبُ كَانَ يَلْبِسُهُ فِي نَوْمِهِ وَفِي بَيْتِهِ وَيَخْرُجُ so this clothing, this one type of clothing, this one item that the Prophet ﷺ had, he would wear it to sleep in and in his house and also to go out to the prayer in. وَإِذَا أَصَابَهُ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْأَذَى فَإِنَّهُ يَغْسِلُهُ وَيُنْذِبُهُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ And if anything occurred to this particular thawb, if anything occurred to it, then the Prophet ﷺ would wash it and then go out in it again. وَفِي ذَلِكَ أَعْلَى دَرَجَاتِ التَّوَاضُعِ The Shaykh says, within that is the highest level. Well, from amongst the highest levels of humbleness and modesty, that a person has only one thawb, wears it when he sleeps, and wears it when he sits in his home, and wears it when he goes to the masjid, and if anything occurs to it, then he washes it himself. This is from the highest levels of the humbleness and the modesty of the Prophet wasallam. مَعَ أَنَّهُ سَيِّدُ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ وَأَشْرَفُ الْخَلْقِ أَجْمَعِينَ Despite the fact that he is the most noble of all of the creation, yet this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. تقول عائشة, so Aisha رضي الله عنها, she says, وَأَنَا أَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ أَثَرِ الْغُسَلِ يعني لَمْ يَيْبَسْ وَيَخْرُجْ بِهِ مُبَاشَرَ وَهُوَ رَطِبْ وَأَثَرُ الْمَاءِ ظَاهِرٌ عَلَيْهِ Meaning that when this money this liquid fell onto the thawb of the Prophet ﷺ. When it exited and it fell onto the thawb, it occurred that it fell to the thawb. 
then the Prophet ﷺ would wash that area and then he would go out to the prayer instantly after that. Meaning it would still be wet. The patch where it had been washed would still be wet. That area would still be wet from having washed that liquid from it, that mani from it. And he would go out to the prayer in that way. And this is a hadith which is muttafaqun alayhi, meaning narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So that's the first narration. That the Prophet ﷺ, he was human like other people, they are human. Except that he was of course the best of all of creation. But with regards to these affairs of marrying and intercourse etc, then it was the same. So if this semen, it exited and fell onto the clothing, then in this narration, Aisha radiallahu anha says, she saw the Prophet ﷺ wash that area off, and instantly after that go out to the prayer with that area that patch still wet from just having washed it. The second narration says, and we'll come to all of the rulings at the end, the second narration says, in the narration of Sahih Muslim, كُنْتُ أَفْرُكُهُ فَرْكًا مِنْ ثَوْبِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ ثُمَّ يُسَلِّ فِيهِ Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that I would scrape that, that liquid which had dried up on the clothes. I would scrape it off. I would scrape it off uh, using like the fingernails, etc. Where that semen had dried up, where the liquid had dried up, then she would scrape it off with her, uh, with her fingers. It's mentioned. وَهَذَا فِيهِ أَنَّ الْمَرْأَةَ تَخْدُمُ زَوْجَهَا أَيْضًا Shaykh says, this is an indication that a woman, she serves her husband, and she helps her husband in the affairs, and she uh, uh, serves her husband. فَهَذِهِ أُمُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ عَائِشَةَ تَفْرُكُ الْمَنِيءِ مِنْ ثَوْبِ زَوْجِهَا رَسُولِ اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ So this is the Umm al-Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers, and she's scraping off this semen which was on the clothes of the Prophet ﷺ. وَعَائِشَةَ هِيَ صِدِّيقَ بِنْتُ الصِدِّيقَ عَاقَدَ عَلَيْهَا رَسُولِ the Prophet ﷺ, he married her while she was six years old. And relations occurred when she was nine years old. And the Prophet ﷺ did not marry any other virgin besides her. As for the remainder of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, then they were not virgins. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she has a great status in terms of her knowledge. فَكَانَتْ تَرْوِي عَنَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ الْأَحَادِيثِ وَكَانَتْ تُفْتِي فِي النَّوَازِلِ So she used to narrate the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ. And she used to give fatawa in times of difficulty and calamity. And when issues used to arise, she would give the fatawa. وَكَانَ صَحَابَ يَرْجِعُونَ إِلَيْهَا فِي الْفَتْوَى فِي الْرِوَايَةِ And the companions, they would return to Aisha radiallahu anha. The companions would return to her for fatawa and for narrations. So she is no doubt a scholar, a scholar of knowledge with great virtue, Aisha radiallahu anha. The Prophet died in her home, in that house, and his head was in between her lap. His head was in her lap when he died. وَدُفِنَ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي بَيْتِهَا And the Prophet ﷺ was buried in her home. Uh, and these are some of the things mentioned about Aisha radiallahu anha. So in this narration, the point being that Aisha radiallahu anha, Umm al-Mu'mineen, she says that if that semen had dried up, then she would scrape it off with her nails. 
So what do these two ahadith indicate then? The first one that the Prophet ﷺ would just wash the semen off and then go out to the prayer even though the clothes are still wet from the washing. And the second one, if it had dried up, Aisha anha says, she would scrape it off with her fingers. Then the ahadith, they indicate these affairs coming now. Firstly, ساق المصنف الحديث من أجلها أن مني الآدمي طاهر أو نجس طاهر So the semen of an individual, it is pure. That is a liquid that is pure. The semen of an individual is liquid that is pure. It is not like urine or feces. It is not like those things that exit from the two exits of an individual with regards to uh, urine and feces. It is unlike them. Semen is something which is pure. How do we know that? Because the Prophet ﷺ prayed in a thawb where this semen had gone onto it and it had dried up and all that had been done was that it had just been scraped off. And then the Prophet ﷺ prayed in it. Which indicates that the semen is pure. No washing even occurred. In that narration, the thawb wasn't even washed. That area wasn't even washed. Where it dried up, it was just scraped off and then the Prophet ﷺ prayed in it. Indicating that this semen is something which is pure. It is not something impure. أَيْذًا تَرَكَهُ لَوْ فِي حَتَّى يَيْبَسْ The fact that it even dried up. The fact that this liquid even dried up on the thawb of the Prophet ﷺ indicates that it's pure. If it was impure, then the Prophet ﷺ would not have left it for that amount of time, this impurity upon his thawb. If it was impure, then it would have been washed straight away. It was pure. That's why it was left and it even dried up. And then afterwards it was scraped off. Uh, if it was something impure, then it would have been removed straight away. The Prophet ﷺ would have hastened to remove it. The second narration says that when it dried up, it was just scraped off. And then you can go pray in that thawb. The first narration says that the Prophet ﷺ washed it. So how do you combine between the two? Do you have to wash it or do you have to scrape it off? Exactly. When it's gone dry, if it's gone dry, then you just scrape it off. If it's already still wet, then you wash it. If it's wet, it can't be scraped off, then it needs to be washed off. But if it's dry, then you can scrape it off. So that's what the two narrations they indicate. But why is that the case then? If we've just said now it's pure anyway, why do you even need to wash it and scrape it off then? If it's pure anyway, just go and pray then. Why do you have to Remove it anyway then. Why? Basically, similar to that. For the sake of... Um, for example, now if somebody had some spit. If you had some spit on your clothes. Would you want to walk around with some spit on your clothes? Or would you want to go and just wash it off and clean it? What would you do? Would you walk around with some spit on your clothes... Or would you want to wash it off? What would you want to do? Wash it off. You wouldn't want to walk around with some spit on your clothes. That's the point here. It's not something which is honorable to do. It's not something respectful to do. To have some semen on your clothes and then to go to the masjid or to walk around with clothes that have got semen on them. Even though it's pure. But it's not respectable or honorable to do that. So out of this issue of respect and honor, and not, it's not something befitting that you go out with semen on your clothes. So for that purpose, the Prophet ﷺ would wash it. If it was wet, he would wash it off. 
And if it was dried up, he would scrape it off. Or Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates that she scraped it off. For the sake of that reason, it's not something good to do, to go out with semen on your clothes. But in of itself, the semen is pure. Meaning that if you scrape it off, when you scrape it off, are you going to get rid of all of it, or are there still going to be bits here and there left? No doubt there'll be marks and bits left. But you can pray in your thawb. You can still pray, which indicates that the semen is pure. The semen in of itself is not impure. But you wash it off or you scrape it off because that's something from honor and respect. It's not befitting to go out with semen on your clothes. It's something that the people are going to think this is disgusting. The people are going to view that as disgusting. So you get rid of it for that reason. So the majority of the scholars, they've indicated this opinion that the semen is pure due to these narrations. Uh, even though there are some scholars who may say otherwise, but the uh, correct opinion is uh, that the uh, semen is pure. Mm. The second issue. First issue we've understood now that the semen is pure. The second issue, and that you wash it for the sake of honor and respect. It's disgusting to leave it on. The people will think that to be disgusting. So you wash it or you scrape it off for that reason. Otherwise it's pure. Because once you scrape it off, you can pray in that thobe. Or even if you didn't scrape it off, you could pray in that thobe. But from uh, honor and respect, you get rid of that because it is something that the people will view to be disgusting if you do not. Al-Mas'ala al-Thaniya fihi dalil ala annahu sallam lam yakun murafahan fi hadhi dunya. There's an evidence in this hadith which indicates that the Prophet ﷺ was not somebody who had luxury. He was not a person full of luxury. Lots of different clothes and lots of different shoes and lots of different tops and lots of different bottoms and lots of different jackets as the people they want to have. As soon as something new comes out, some new trainers, you want to go buy the new trainers, huh? And if a new jacket comes out, you want to get the new jacket as well. In this hadith, the Shaykh says the Prophet ﷺ he was not somebody who had all of these different things and lots of different clothes and lots of money and luxuries. It indicates that the Prophet ﷺ was humble. He was very modest. He lived a very simple, humble, modest way. Because the hadith indicates the Prophet ﷺ used to wear the same, same thobe for sleeping and for staying at home and for going to the masjidin. The same one thobe. Not lots of 20, 30 different thobes. One same thobe. That indicates the modesty and the humbleness of the Prophet ﷺ. Thirdly, Dalil ala khidmati al-mar'a li-zawjiha. Li-anna Aisha radiyallahu anha umma al-mu'mineen wa hiya afdalu al-nisa kanat taqoomu bi khidmati zawjiha alayhi salatu wa salam. It indicates that a woman, that she serves her husband. That a woman, she fulfills the rights of her husband in terms of looking after the affairs, taking care of certain issues that need to be taken care of within the home. Here there's an example of Aisha radiallahu anha serving her husband and Aisha radiallahu anha the best of the women, Ummul Mu'mineen. And she was cleaning the thobe of the Prophet So this indicates that a woman, she serves her husband and there's no doubt that is a reward for the woman who does that. And that is recorded in the good deeds of a woman who does that. That behaves in that way within that relationship. She serves her husband. She honors her husband. Then here there is an example of that from the greatest of the women, Aisha radiallahu anha. Similarly, the shaykh mentions other examples. He says, the sister of Aisha, Asma, she used to aid and uh, honor her husband also, who was a Zubair ibn al-Awam. وَكَذَلِكَ النِّسَاءُ الصَّحَابَةِ كُنَّ يَقُمْنَ بِخِدْمَةِ أَزْوَاجِهِنَّ 
and the companions from the women. We're not talking about women of our time now, we're talking about the companions, the women who lived at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. It is known from them that they would serve their husbands, and they would honor their husbands. And that is something important, because now, especially the society that we live in, then the disbelievers and their society and their morals and their principles, they say to you, that why should it be the woman who does these things? The man should do it himself. Man should go and wash and iron himself and do the cleaning himself and do other things, whatever else himself. There's no doubt that Islam, it has given the rights of the husband, it has given the rights of the woman, of the wife. And if every individual stands by their rights, then that is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here we have the example of the female companions and they would serve their husbands. So if a woman wishes to emulate those companions, a woman wishes to emulate the likes of Aisha radiallahu anha, then let it be known she should serve her husband and that is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is what she's been commanded to do. Then we have the next narration. In these two first hadith then we've now understood that semen is not impure, it is pure. And that if it falls on your clothes and it's still wet, you wash it off. If it's become dry, you can scrape it off. And all of that indicates that semen is pure and that it is permissible to go and pray in a thawb uh, of that nature. The next hadith, a hadith of Abu Samh. Abu Samh, his name is Ayyad, and he was the servant of the Prophet ﷺ. And this is the only hadith which is known that is narrated by this individual, by the companion Abu Samh. He says that the Prophet ﷺ said, يُغْصَلُ مِنْ بَوْلِ الْجَارِيَةِ That if a young girl, الْجَارِيَةِ وَهِيَ الصَّغِيرَ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ A young baby girl, a young small girl, if a young small girl urinates, then that urine must be washed. It must be washed away, like we've spoken about before. If an impurity comes on your thawb and the clothes, you have to wash it away. The urine of a young girl of a small girl, a baby girl, or young girl, it must be washed away. Wal-ghulam, al-ghulam is a small baby boy, a small boy, a young boy. Really, anybody who is under the age of puberty can be called a jariya or a ghulam. A young girl under the age of puberty, a ghulam, a young boy under the age of puberty. It is mentioned in this hadith that a young girl, the urine if that urine falls from a young girl onto the clothing or anywhere, then that must be washed. Just like the urine of a, an adult. If the urine of an adult fell onto your clothes or on your own clothes, then you must wash it off. If the urine of a young girl before the age of puberty falls onto your clothes, similarly, it must be washed off completely. However, يُرَشُّ min بَوْلِ ghulam. As for the young boy, the young boy... If that urine falls onto your clothes or on any other area, then you can just sprinkle some water over it. It doesn't require that you pour the water and you wash it and everything. You can sprinkle some water onto it, and that is sufficient. And that is with regards to a baby boy that is not eating solid foods yet. A baby boy that is not eating solid foods yet. All he is eating is milk. All he is drinking is milk. Babies, they only drink milk first. So a small baby boy, that is still only drinking milk and not weaning yet, not having any foods yet, then if that small baby boy urinates on your clothes, 
All you have to do is get some water and sprinkle it on that area and that's it. It doesn't require to have it fully washed. Sprinkling of the water is sufficient. Uh, the scholars they mention that this particular hadith, سبب الحديث هو ما جاء في بعض الروايات أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم جاء بالحسن أو الحسين وهو صغير فبال على ثوب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم يغسل من بول الجارية ويرش من بول الغلام. It's mentioned that when Hassan or Hussein, one of them, when they were very small, they were brought to the Prophet ﷺ, and they urinated, and the urine fell upon the clothing of the Prophet ﷺ, and that's when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith, that for the young girl, yes, you must wash it, but for the young boy, baby boy that is not eating yet, then you can just sprinkle the water upon it. A person may ask the question then, what's the question you might ask? Exactly, that's the question. For a baby boy, you sprinkle the water. For a girl, you have to wash it. Why? Why the difference between the boy and the girl? Here the Shaykh says, وَقَدْ يَسْأَلُ سَائِلْ Maybe somebody might ask you this question. مَا هِيَ الْعِلَّ فِي التَّفْرِيقِ بَيْنَ بَوْلِ الْجَارِيَةِ وَبَوْلِ الْغُلَامِ What's the reasoning behind differentiating between the urine of the boy and the urine of the girl? الجواب The Shaykh says, Allahu أَعْلَمْ Allahu أَعْلَمْ We don't know the difference. But the differentiation, why it's come. وَلَكِنْ بَعْضَ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِلْتَمَسُوا شَيْئًا مِنَ الْعِلَّةِ Some of the scholars, they researched and they tried to find some reasoning behind this. فَقَالُوا لَمَّا كَانَ الذَّكَرَ مَحْبُوبًا عِنْدَ النَّاسِ وَعِنْدَ وَالِدَيْهِ لِذَا كَانَ يَكْثُرْ حَمْلُهُ وَهُمْ بِذَلِكَ مُعَرَّضُونَ لِأَنْ يُصِيبَهُمْ بَوْلًا فَمِنْ أَجْلِ التَّخْفِيفُ اكْتُفِيَ بِرَشِّ وَإِذْ لَوْ أُمِرَ بِرَصْلِهِ لَشَقَّ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَهُوَ بِخِلَافِ الْجَارِيَةِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُحْرَسُ عَلَى حَمْلِهَا مِثْلَ مَا يُحْرَسُ عَلَى حَمْلِ الْغُلَامِ Some of the scholars said it's because young boys, people, they like to pick them up and play with them more. Some scholars, they mention young boys, the parents, they like to pick them up and move them around and uh, carry them and, and throw them and pick them and hold them and things more than girls. Girls may be a bit more fragile or whatever the reason is. So they said because the boys are often held and more playing is done in that way with the boys, then there's more possibility of urine always getting on your clothes. So for that reason, for lightening the burden, then it was made that the boys, you can only just splash on it, uh, splash the water on it, sprinkle the water on it. But for the girls who are not picked up as much, then there is less possibility of the urine going on the clothes. So if that does happen, then you just wash it. Because it's rare... However, that's a reasoning that some of the scholars they gave. The reality is, as the Shaykh said, Allahu A'lam. We don't know the real reasoning as to why the differentiation has been made. So that is just some ijtihad of the scholars. They've come to this conclusion, maybe it's for that reason. But the reality is, Allahu A'lam, this is the Qur'an, this is the Sunnah, this is the uh, revelation we've been given. For the boys, you can sprinkle. For the girls, you have to wash. So that's what we do. So in this hadith... Clearly, the ruling which is taken is the differentiation between the urine of the small boy and the urine of the small girl. Uh, so the urine of the small girl is just like the urine of an adult. If it falls anyway, you have to wash it completely. But the urine of the small boy that is not weaning yet, is not eating yet, it does not require full washing, it just requires sprinkling, sprinkling of water. Hmm. The next hadith... So there now you've learnt about the urine. The urine of an adult, if it falls in your clothes, what do you have to do? 
Wash it properly. The urine of a small girl, the urine of a small boy, sprinkle it. A small boy that is not eating yet, then you can sprinkle over that. Uh, then we have the next hadith. An Asma bint Abi Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhuma. Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhuma, and she is the sister of Aisha. Uh, and was she older or younger than her? Asma bint Abi Bakr radiyallahu anhuma, wahiya ukhtu Aisha. Was she older or younger than Aisha radiyallahu anha? Older. Older. MashaAllah. How many years? <laughs> You're right. She was older. She was older by 10 years. وَهِيَ أُخْتُ عَائِشَ وَأَكْبَرُ مِنْهَا بِعَشْرِ سِنِينَ He was older than Aisha radiallahu anha by 10 years and she was the wife of Az-Zubair ibn al-Awam radiallahu anhu. Uh, it's mentioned sometimes that her kunya was Um Abdullah because she was the mother of Abdullah ibn Zubair. Also the mother of Urwa ibn Zubair. So this was Asma bint Abi Bakr. So she narrates this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said concerning the blood of the period, the period blood that the women they have, if that was to fall onto your clothes, if that blood was to fall onto your clothes, then what is to be done? Firstly, the Shaykh explains that here we are talking about that monthly cycle, that blood. Because there are other different types of blood. There are types of blood which come outside of the monthly cycle for some women. We're not talking about those types. We're talking about the regular monthly cycle, that blood which exits from a woman, which comes from the depths of the inner uh, uh, organs of the woman, from the womb, etc., that blood is what is being spoken about here. If that blood falls onto some clothes, then what do you do? So the Prophet ﷺ said, what's the English of it? Asma bin Tabi Bakr. Menstruation blood. That soils a garment. You should scrape it. Scrape it. Then run it with water. Using her fingers. Then sprinkle. Then sprinkle. So it says, Tahuttuhu. That if that is to occur, if this blood falls onto the clothes, the blood of the monthly cycle, then firstly, scrape it off, scrape it. Then on top of that, uh, pour the water onto it, run your fingers through it. Pour the water onto it and run your fingers through it. And then also after that, sprinkle water, uh, splash more water onto it afterwards too. That's what's mentioned. Scrape it and then pour the water with your fingers over it and then splash some more water at the end. And then once that is done, after that, then she can pray in it. Scrape it, put the water on it, run the fingers through it, splash more water on it afterwards. And then after that, it's sufficient that the woman can pray in that item. Uh, uh, scraping it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it with your fingers. It's not a necessity to scrape it with the fingers. Scrape it with something else. Get some other item, whatever it may be, some uh, uh, some uh, cleaning uh, utensil or some kitchen cleaning, uh, something you might use to clean something with, and scrape it with that. Some of these pads or whatever they might be, anything can be used to scrape that area. In some narrations, in fact, it's mentioned 
that they used to use uh, smooth stones. You know, some rocks and stones, they're very smooth surfaces. They would use those types of stones and uh, uh, scrape or, or scrape over that area. But you could use your fingernails, you could use some of these types of pads or whatever they are, or use other types of things in order to scrape that area. Because by scraping that area then, then that blood which is there, then it will generally remove the apparent blood. Scrape it off and a reasonable amount of that blood will be removed as a consequence of scraping it and rubbing it off. So rubbing it and scraping it in that way will remove a reasonable amount of that uh, blood which is there. Then taqrusuhu bilma' Meaning that you then pour the water onto it and run your fingers right into it. I properly clean it. Put the water onto it and run the fingers into it properly. Uh, and make sure that the water, it, uh, it, is, um, it, it goes into the clothing and the clothing sucks up that water. And it's run through properly so that the water goes right into the texture, into the, the, the fabric. Goes right into the clothing and the clothing sucks the water up and it becomes all wet. That area where that blood was. Then, when that has occurred, uh, obviously, the blood which was within the clothing, in the texture, in the knitting, in the fabric, then that will be removed also. Whereas the scraping, that will remove the blood which was apparently on the surface, on the surface of the clothing. Then when you pour the water in and everything, then within the clothing, that which had sunk into it, seeped into it, that will be removed also. Then the third stage is, that you splash it and sprinkle it with more water. And when that is done, after that the woman is able to pray in that clothing. This hadith therefore indicates what? That the blood of the monthly cycle is najis, it's impure. Because you've been commanded, the women have been commanded to wash that. And three stages have been given, scrape it and then run through it properly with water, then sprinkle water onto it to make sure all of that blood is gone. To make sure that it's been removed. To make sure all of that blood which has gone in there, it's been seeped out, it's been cleaned away, it's been removed. And then you can pray in that clothing. So this indicates that the blood of the monthly... ...wash it if it falls onto it. The second issue, في الحديث دليل على أن طهارة الثوب من شروط صحة الصلاة. لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لم يأذن بصلاة به إلا بعد غسله قال ثم تصلي فيه يعني بعدما تطهره فدل, على فدل هذا على أنه يشترط لصحة صلاة طهارة الثوب من النجاسات من, دم من الدم أو غيره The hadith also indicates that one of the conditions for the prayer is that the clothing that a person is wearing when he prays must be pure one of the conditions for the prayer is that the clothes that you're wearing when you pray, they must be pure. That is indicated because the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, scrape it, then wash it with your fingers, etc., the water, then sprinkle it, then pray in it. Meaning once you've done all of that washing and you've purified the clothing, then you're allowed to pray in it. So that indicates that the purification of the clothing is a condition for the prayer because the Prophet ﷺ commanded them to wash it before they can pray in it. So that indicates that the washing of the clothing, i.e. making it pure, that the clothes must be upon purity from any type of uh, impurity, whether it's this blood impurity of the monthly cycle, or other than that, uh, urine, feces, it all has to be cleaned off and washed and purified before an individual can pray in that clothing.
Then the Sheikh says, أَمَّا إِذَا كَانَ نَاسِيًا نَجَاسَةَ الثَّوْبِ وَلَمْ يَعْلَمْ إِلَّا بَعْدَ مَا وَلَمْ يَعْلَمْ إِلَّا بَعْدَ مَا فَرَغَ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ فَصَلَاتُهُ صَحِيحَةِ لِأَنَّهُ يُعْذَرُ بِالنَّسْيَانِ وَإِنْ ذَكَرَ وَهُوَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَإِنْ تَمَكَّنَ مِنْ خَلْعِهِ خَلْعَةِ هذا إذا كان ثوبا وأما إذا إن كان في غير ذلك كالغترة أو الشماغ أو الخفين أو البشت فيجب عليه خلعه ويستمر في صلاته لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يصلي بأصحابه فخلعنا عليه عليه الصلاة والسلام في أثناء صلاة فخلع صحابنا عالهم فلما سلم عليه الصلاة والسلام قال لهم إن جبريل عليه السلام أخبرني أن فيه ما خبثا However now we've said it's one of the conditions of the prayer that your clothing must be pure before you can pray in it. What if an individual has some impurity in his clothes and he forgets? Or he doesn't realize that there was impurity until after the prayer has gone and the, it's finished. After the prayer has gone, it's finished, the time has exited. Then what do you do? In this instance, the Shaykh says the prayer is okay because this person is excused due to his forgetfulness. The person is excused due to his forgetfulness. However, what if a person is praying and during the prayer, he remembers, there's some impurity on my clothing. Then the shaykh says, if it was on your thobe, on your shirt that you're wearing, then if it's possible to remove it during the prayer, whilst you're praying, if it's possible to get rid of it, then do so. Maybe you have some other t-shirt on underneath something wide and loose, etc. It still covers your aura. So you can remove the top one. If that's possible, the shaykh says, and you remember there's some impurity on it, remove it. And finish your prayer with what you're wearing underneath. If that is sufficient, and that is okay for the prayer still. That's if it's your shirt. Because with your shirt, it's difficult to remove it. Maybe you've got nothing on underneath or something like that. So with the shirt, the shaykh says, if it's possible to remove, then remove it. If it's, for example, your shimar, you remember that there's some impurity in your shimar, or on your, for example, your khuf, or for example, uh, the bush, you know, the, the thing that they wear on top of their clothes, the brown one with the gold stripe here, those things that they wear. If it's an impurity in one of these types of things, then you have to remove it. Because removing this, there's no harm in that, you can get rid of it and there's no problem. There's, it's not going to harm you in any way, even if your head was naked in the prayer, it's okay. So if it was on something like this, or it was your jacket you're wearing on top, you're wearing this jacket and you're praying, then you remember there's some impurity in it. So in the prayer, get rid of it, take it off. And finish your prayer in your pure clothes. So that's if you remember during the prayer. And there's a narration about that where the Prophet ﷺ was praying with his shoes on. And then during the prayer, Jibreel ﷺ came and told the Prophet ﷺ there's some impurity in them. So during the prayer, he removed them. And then companions who were behind him also removed them. And then when they asked the Prophet ﷺ afterwards, why did he do that? He told them, Jibreel came to me and told me there was some impurity in them. So it's permissible if you remember during the prayer, there's some impurity in your shoes, your khuf, or your jacket, or your ghutra, or something, you can get rid of that. Even if it was your thobe, if it's possible to get rid of it, because you have some of the clothing underneath which is sufficient for the prayer, then even get rid of the thobe. The shaykh says, هَذَا إِذَا تَمَكَّنَ مِنْ إِزَالَةِ النَّجَاسَةَ أَثْنَاءِ This, all of this what we're talking about, if it's possible, if it's possible for you to remove that clothing within the prayer, then you do it. فَإِنَّهُ يَزِيلُ هَوْ يَسْتَمِرُ فِي صَلَاتِهِ Because then you just get rid of it, take the jacket off, take the water off, take this off if you can, and carry on and finish your prayer. أَمَّا إِنْ لَمْ يَتَمَكَّنْ فَإِنَّهُ يَنْصَرِفُ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَلَا يَسْتَمِرُ فِيهَا بِثَوْبٍ نَجِسٍ What if you're wearing a thawb, 
and you've got nothing on underneath. Then you remember there's an impurity in the thawb. You can't take it off, so now what do you do? Now you have to stop your prayer. Break your prayer. You can't carry on with a thawb that has got impurity in it. If you're praying and you remember there's impurity, but you can't remove it because you've got nothing else on or for some other reason, then you have to stop your prayer and go and remove that impurity, either wash it off or get some different thawb which is pure and then pray from the beginning again. Start from the beginning again. If it was in some extreme situation, some necessity, for example, if you're wearing one thobe, and you can't take it off, you've got nothing else underneath, and you haven't even got any other thobe you can go and put on, you can't even wash it, there's no water available. In that extreme situation where there's nothing you can do, فَهَذَا لَا بَأْسَ أَنْ يَسْتُرَ بِهِ عَوْرَتَهُ وَيَسَلِّيَ فِيهِ وَلَا إِعَادَ عَلَيْهِ لِقَوْلِ تَعَالَى فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهُ مَسْتَطَعَتُمْ In that situation, if you're wearing a thobe, and you remember during the prayer there's some impurity on it. You can't remove it because you've got nothing on underneath, for example. You can't break your prayer and go and wash it. You have no water, you have nothing. You're in some situation where it's just not possible to wash it. You have nothing to wash it with. You don't have any other item of clothing you could remove this and swap it for. You have nothing to do. In that situation, the shaykh says, in this extreme necessity, where you have absolutely no option, then okay, you can continue to pray and use that thobe to cover your aura with. Because covering the aura. The, uh, the region uh, which is uh, a must for you to cover, the navel to the knee, etc., then that must be covered, so you can use it to cover in accordance to the statement of Allah, فَاتَّقُوا مَسْتَطَعَتُمْ فِيَا Allah to the best of your ability. Also the hadith indicates that the companions had a very limited livelihood, or their, their, their style of life, their way of life was very limited. They weren't rich, they didn't have many clothes, they didn't have lots of different tops and lots of different trousers and lots of different loose trousers. Uh, lots of different, the sarawil as they call them. Or the izar and uh, rida. They didn't have many of these types of clothing. حيث إن نساءهم لا يجدن إلا ثوبا واحدا يلبسنه للصلاة وغيرها فالمرأة منهم ليس لها إلا ثوبا واحد تحيض فيه ثم تغسله بعد الحيض ثم تصلي فيه. The women, even the women, they only used to have sometimes one set of clothes. They only used to have one set of clothes. So if the blood of the monthly cycle went onto it, they would have to wash it and scrape it and do all of that, and then pray in it. Nowadays, people might think these ahadith, why are they so important? If you've got some blood in your clothes, just go and throw it into the washing machine, get a new one out. But this is the time of the companions, when they didn't have so many clothes. Some of the women, maybe they only had one set of clothing. So if that clothing got the monthly cycle blood on it, then they would have to know about these rulings, to wash it and scrape it and clean it, and then go and pray in it. And this is the reality of how they lived. So here it's mentioned that even during the time of the prayer, outside of the prayer, then they would have one item of clothing sometimes. And this the shaykh says, بِخِلَافِ مَا عَلَيْهِ النِّسَافِ أَيَّامِنَا هَذِي حَيْثُ إِنَّ الْمَرْأَةَ تَبْلُغُ فِي كَثْرَةِ ثِيَابِهَا حَدَّ الْإِسْرَافَ التَّبْذِيرِ this the shaykh says, the way that the companions live, the female companions, is in opposition to the women now. Where they have so many clothes, that it's almost going into wastefulness. They have so many clothes, that it's almost wastefulness. And there may even be a punishment upon that. So much wastefulness in terms of how many clothes the people they have now. So this was the way of the companions, modesty and humbleness. 
Then the final narration of Abu Huraira, that khawla, she said, فَإِن لَمْ يَذْهَبِ الدَّمْ What if the blood doesn't go? You scrape it, you wash it, you do everything, but the blood doesn't go. So here the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا لَمْ يَذْهَبْ أَثَرُ الدَّمْ Meaning that after you scrape it and you wash it with the water and you sprinkle it, but the blood is still there. قَالْ يَكْفِيكَ الْمَاءُ وَلَا يَذُرُّكَ أَثَرُ The water is sufficient and afterwards whatever is left over does not affect you. However, this particular narration is weak. This particular narration where it says that afterwards... If the sign of the blood is still there and the traces of the blood are still there that it doesn't affect you, then that is a weak narration because it's the narration of Ibn Luhayah or Ibn Lahi'ah, uh, Abdullah Ibn Lahi'ah, and it's known that he was mukhtalat. He would mix up his narrations and so he was weak because uh, it's known that this individual, Abdullah Ibn Lahi'ah, his library burnt. All of his books and his hadith and his narrations that he had, it burnt. So after it burnt, he used to mix up his narrations and his memory. Uh, became confused. لكن الحكم الصحيح The Shaykh says, what is the correct ruling? The ruling is actually correct as the hadith mentions. لكن الحكم صحيح في أنه إذا فعلت الإجراءات المذكورة آنفا Meaning that if a woman was to scrape that area, rub it, scrape it, then wash it with water deep into it, then sprinkle more water on top of it, do all of that. And still at the end of it, there is still some redness there, there is still some coloration there, there is still some traces of the blood there. Then the Shaykh says, وَلَمْ يَزَلْ لَوْنُ الدَّمْ فَإِنَّهُ يَطْهُرْ وَلَوْ بَقِيَ لَوْنُ الدَّمْ فَإِنَّهُ لِأَنَّهُ تَتَعَذَّرُ إِزَالَتُهُ If the blood has gone into the clothing to such a degree that you wash it and you scrape it and you do everything, but that blood, the trace of it, you can still see a faint trace of that blood there after doing all of that washing and scraping. Then the shaykh says, the clothing is considered to be pure. Because here you've tried, you've washed, you've scraped, you've done everything. But the traces of the blood, they've seeped in and they won't come out. So that trace, that sign that you can still faintly see, it doesn't affect the clothing now. You've scraped, you've washed, you've done everything, the clothing is pure. Even if you can faintly still see something there. That's if you've tried properly. You've scraped it and you've washed it and you've done everything the hadith has mentioned that you're supposed to do. Then the shaykh says, if you still see some faint trace then that does not affect the clothing. Uh, the clothing is uh, uh, permissible to pray in. So that's with regards to the clothing, or, or rather the, uh, uh, with regards to the blood of the monthly cycle. So there now we've learned about a few different things. The liquid that exits from a person, the semen, the blood of the monthly cycle, the urine of a small girl, what to do with all of those different types of things and all of those situations and how to purify yourselves from those uh, issues. That is the end of the chapter concerning the removal of these impurities. The next chapter is the chapter of wudu, which we'll begin with, insha'Allah, next week, Saturday.